So did you know that changing your App Store icon only can double your downloads? Splitmetrics provides you with a tool to A-B test and analyze user behavior on Apple's App Store and Google's Play Store. And this helps you discover the icons and screenshots in the videos that really do work for your audience. To start turning more App Store visitors into customers, request a demo at splitmetrics.com forward slash appguy, all lowercase, splitmetrics.com forward slash appguy. Thank you so much to Splitmetrics for being a great sponsor of the show. If you're a mobile app developer monetizing your app through mobile advertising, you're certainly no stranger to the issue of ad quality. In the mobile universe, you've got to partner with the right ad exchange to keep your audiences coming back to your app. Smarto's RTB ad exchange makes ad quality a priority. Smarto's dedicated ad quality team is on call 24-7, scanning ads in real time. So go to www.smarto.com and thank you to Smarto for supporting the show. This is Jake Ward. I'm the co-founder and CEO of the Application Developers Alliance, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. We go all around the world. We help you as an app entrepreneur by going and interviewing all the wonderful people that we can meet who inspire us to do some wonderful things in the world of apps and the world of entrepreneurship, startups. Uh, So today's episode is with the CEO and founder of Panoply.io. We're going to be talking to Yaniv Levin. He's been a great sport. We've had a few technical faults, but the show still goes on. We've managed to sort of overcome those. And Yaniv, you've been able to join us today on the App Guide podcast. So it's a warm welcome to you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Paul. Uh, I'd love to know about Panoply then. Uh, You're doing a lot of stuff with data and analytics. Tell us about Panoply. Yeah. So um, basically, Panoply is uh, in the big data world. uh, And more specifically, it's in the data management space. And What we, in short, what we enable to do is that we enable data-driven companies to collect, maintain, and extract important insights from their data um, by automatically, uh, by automating the manual tasks associated with integration, storage, handling, and maintenance of all data data and analytical servers. And we do it with two clicks of a button and absolutely no coding. That's already, you got me uh, bought in, <laughs> two clicks and no coding. Uh, that, I'll tell you what, it'd be interesting to know why you've decided to found this, uh, you know, and, and launch it. Where did your idea come from? Yeah, so basically the idea came from a, from a pain point that me and my co-founder, uh, Roya Vinom, uh, felt time after time again. So uh, we've been working together for... I'd say approximately six years uh, prior to uh, founding Panoply. And we worked in two uh, different uh, data-driven organizations, which were all around the mobile space. Uh, We worked at Mytopia, which was acquired by 888 Holdings, and at uh, Wynn, which was a B1 party company. Uh, And these companies, they developed applications, uh, which were, uh, you know, B2C applications, which were very data heavy. Uh, so you could think about it, about it. We were a forty a forty person organization, uh, forty employees strong, and uh, we were uh, we were using approximately a hundred million data events a day in order to uh, optimize our our business operations. Um, and this is huge. This is a huge amount. This is uh, an amount that you know approximately like five to six years ago 
was only accessible by these big SMEs or enterprise companies. Um, and in these two companies, basically Roy was in charge of the uh, data infrastructure and now is in charge of the analytics. Uh, and together we had to build um, the data infrastructure of the company from scratch. And it's a very, very, very tedious process, very, very manual process. And when we both left Win, we kind of looked at the companies from the outside and thinking about it, it just did not make sense that today in 2015, data-driven organizations have to manually build uh, their data infrastructure in order to gain insights uh, from their data. Um, in terms of the these companies, it's approximately 10% of the companies are basically geared towards building products which are not revenue generating, but basically infrastructure focused. It just does not make sense uh, because these these uh, mobile companies or these SMB companies, you know, they fight every day uh, in order to optimize their project products because they're fighting against these big giants. And to have 10% of your company geared toward, towards something that is uh, not revenue oriented just, just does not make sense. Uh, Yanev, I love this part of your story because I think this will be the one that inspires anyone who's like working right now. You basically were in uh, Win, and you were working with a colleague and you saw this pain point and you quit to do your own thing. I mean, how did that feel? Um, so it wasn't easy. Yeah. Um, Talk us through it because that's the thing that so many people listening to this now find really challenging is to take the risky road. You know, the fact that you've left a salary, you've gone on and done your own thing. How, how did you actually get through that fear of going into the unknown? So it's, um, you know, it's basically, um, I don't know how to say it, but I think that what every entrepreneur uh, when he embarks on some sort of um, uh, some sort of journey, um, he needs to really feel deeply that what he's doing uh, is really changing something um, something that's you know taken as an absolute today. Um, and we felt this because we we suffered this pain point time after time again, and. Um, we we said that we 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 thought or the way the industry looked like it, it just does, did not make sense that this kind of solution will not be out there in the next five years, um, and uh, it, you know it, it's you know both of us have families um, both Roy and I we have families and uh, it's a big risk but uh, you have to really really deep down uh, feel that you're actually solving. Um, some sort of problem, and we we knew we we knew we are because we felt this problem time after time again. Not only in our companies, but in the ecosystem of companies that we interacted with, every one of those companies um, felt the same point and did the same thing. And the the the, the weird thing is that when you uh, when you when when the companies tell you how they build their data infrastructure, they say you know this and that. Um, and it sounds like, you know, they, they take it for granted that this is how it's supposed to be. Um, but when you look at it from the outside, it just does not make sense. You know, before there were cars, uh, people were, were riding horses. Um, and it made sense because 
the technology was not out there that could make their life more efficient, make it faster. Um, so you cannot really imagine um, how it's really supposed to be, uh, what, 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 is, what is possible with technology, what is possibly, what is possible to, um, uh, to have to be enabled by technology until it's there. And I think that five, 10 years from now, um, people will be looking at what we're doing today with data, with analytical data, and it will seem like it, like, like it was the Stone Age. <laughs> yeah. I would love to go back even just, what, 10 years to 15 years and ex describe to people back then what we're doing right now. I mean, who would have thought, you know, Twitter and uh, Vine and Facebook and Instagram and all these things, you know, as you're standing there with a digital camera or uh, texting somebody. So, yeah, I, I love what you're saying there. Now, I'm going to pick up on one thing you said. You said solving a problem. That's one of the big long-standing long uh, themes to come out of my, from my show. All the successful entrepreneurs uh, go for that. How important is it, do you believe, to actually focus on a problem rather than revenue or some of the other metrics you could use? Uh, look, I think revenue is the outcome. I think that generally what we do in the, in the tech space is we solve problems. Um, I think that it's crucially important for a company, for a startup, uh, to be founded around some sort of problem-solving uh, problem solving, uh, or solution uh, because, you know, if there is a problem and you can solve it, then the, the revenue comes out, uh, out of it. But in its core, uh, I would not embark on any mission which I, which I thought um, did not make somebody's life easier, somebody's business easier, um, make something more efficient, you know, and so on and so on. I think it's crucially important. You're almost reminding me of that phrase where the value you receive is the value you're actually giving out to the world as well. And uh, do you have any tips for anybody who's listening to this? Because I want to challenge anybody listening. Uh, problems exist everywhere. It's not like, it, you know, it doesn't take a genius to work out pain points and problems. But but you actually, you know, took the risk. You left, you started your own company. What did you learn in that process? And then any tips you can give to anyone else who may do the same thing? So... The the process of uh, raising money uh, to start your your operations is extremely difficult, as as you can imagine. And um, you know, for every one yes you get, um, you get you know another you know ten to fifteen no's. Um, and I think that especially when you're uh, tech driven, when your when your product is very very uh, technology driven, um, you have to um, get yourself ready that even though a lot of people will tell you you're stupid, a lot of people will tell you that everybody else already solves this issue, and a lot of people will not understand exactly what you are doing, um, if you believe strong enough and you, um, get, and, and you really believe that you're actually solving something big, um, don't give up. Uh, we were, you know, we raised funds um, for approximately, it took approximately uh, five months to raise to raise our, our our fund, and there were two points around that that uh, that time period where we thought we weren't going to close around, um, but eventually we closed around with some of the top investors um, over here and some great uh, VCs, um, and this is just because we kept we kept going, and during that time of raising round ra raising the funds. 
uh, we did not forget at any point that the business is not around raising funds. It's about building a business. So during the, during the time of raising funds, and raising funds is a 100% time occupancy, um, we kept on um, getting new customers into the product, developing the product, um, um, working around timelines, and making sure the business uh, actually runs. Yeah, what did you learn from the whole process of raising funds? Because um, I can imagine that you, uh, I guess, would do things maybe slightly differently now you've had that experience. If you were to go back and advise that that uh, Yaniv Levin, who's just about to start fundraising, what, what uh, would you suggest to yourself before you start? So, um, you know, uh, everybody or most will meet you. Um, but a lot of them um, are not relevant for your product because uh, some VCs, some angels, uh, they invest in specific, um, you know, specific industries or you know, B two B or B two C or uh, clean tech or whatever. Um, so don't. So before reaching out, um, really look at what they invest in uh, because they might be able to meet you and they they might be able to waste a lot of your time. Uh, but eventually the uh, the probability of them investing will be very, very small. Um, second thing is that it's very, very good, whatever you do, uh, to make a good impression. Because even if that specific investor uh, might not be relevant for you, he might have friends uh, that are relevant. And an introduction an introduction to an investor from someone that's, uh, that's kind of qualifi- a qualified lead from his perspective is much stronger than you than you shooting out a cold email. Oh, I love that, Yaniv. So what you're saying is uh, actually during the pitch process, it may be that uh, what comes out of it is not money, but uh, more connections and more introductions that could eventually lead to you to what you get. Yeah, absolutely. Every time you think that your window of opportunity of raising funds closes, um, as long as you got some uh, some leads and as long as you really understand that you're solving something for some reason and somehow by chance, but maybe not really by chance, uh, a new cloud of new investors opens up. Um, so there are always more opportunities uh, opportunities out there. So, so Yanev, let's, let's talk about then, you have gone into a lot of angel investors, gone to meet with them, a lot of VCs. And what was it like to actually pitch your uh, your your problem and, and anything, anything you learn from the way you actually pitch something. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, <laughs> our, our our technology our technology is extremely uh, extremely difficult, and both Rui and I uh, come from the kind of engineering front. Um, but when you talk to investors, a lot of them will not really understand your technology, even uh, because uh, you know they are investors. They are smart investors. Uh, and they invest in, you know, they are basically, um, you know, in the money business, in the funding business. They're not in the technology business. So they understand high level. And when you pitch to investors, um, at least from my perspective, this might be different from another uh, company's perspective, you pitch the idea, you pitch the, um, the business perspective, less the technology. They want to understand that there is something subta- substantial under there. Uh, but they really want, under, want to understand that there's a very good opportunity um, in terms of business to do. So Roy and I, when we approached investors initially, 
we started talking about technology and we started talking about some of specifics that we do and so on and so on. And this did not really get us anywhere. Um, what happened is that once they understood that the team is good, uh, and this is crit critically important because you're not going to get anywhere after you understand the team is good. Once I understood the team is good, they understood the market is strong and they understood we do something in terms of the technology underneath. Um, then what usually what they do is that they send you to some sort of technical due diligence, somebody from the industry who can actually understand the technology and uh, kind of make it, you know, tell them that it's qualified. Oh, this is great. Okay, so uh, what I'm learning from you then is that uh, some of the uh, selling points that you can actually, rather than focusing too much and too heavily on the technology and the specifics, but focusing more about the team, your relationship with your co-founder, uh, the things that you've done in the past, and, and maybe how you understand the market and the, the trends, and, and getting the investors excited. If they're in, they'll get somebody else to quiz you and, and uh, validate the technology, but it's selling them on the idea primarily and the team. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. For instance, uh, the fact that uh, Oi and I have been working together for a couple of years, um, the fact that we held C-level positions, the fact that we uh, actually built these types of platforms manually a couple of times, and the fact that we came from a pain point of actually solving some, some solving a pain that we actually felt time after time again. Th these were all really strong points that really, really helped us. So during the you, uh, pitch, was it, what, what uh, specifically came out that you thought, you know, about Panoply, that you thought, oh, look at the investors' reaction at that. They're getting excited. Yeah, so, um, so th this is a tip that... Um, Look, I, I don't know. This is from my personal experience, and uh, it might be totally wrong, all right? But um, what I liked doing during my pitch, which I think worked really well, is to get away from the presentation. Because think about it. These guys, they see a billion presentations, right? They see, they see like dozens a week. Um, and they know the elevator pitch. They know um, that the you know, that you're probably coming to them with a very nice looking presentation. Um, but actually what differentiates you from the other guy that's coming right after you with a really, really nice presentation and the same elevator pitch in terms of uh, its, its structure. So basically what we did is that, A, when we came in, we said, do you want to see a presentation or do you not? So we gave them the choice because sometimes you just get bored out of it. And actually what I really liked doing is working with a whiteboard. So I, I walked around with, uh, with these markers and every time there was a whiteboard, I kind of drew away from the presentation, went up to the, to the whiteboard and started writing, started, started describing the market and the solution uh, with basically three colors um, of three colored markers. And I think that works much, much, much better just because you know it's much less passive you get to walk around. When you stand up, you can um, kind of you can kind of show your enthusiasm much better. Um, so that, that's uh, such yeah. great advice. I love that. I can almost imagine you now. I mean, you you're describing uh, what is a very technologically advanced uh, you know concept, and, and there you are using something that's very technologically unadvanced, a whiteboard. <laughs> and uh, I can imagine it went really well. 
Yeah, so that so that really works very very well, or it worked for us uh, very very well in frontal presentations. But um, you know, when you go up uh, to do uh, uh, to talk in front of um, uh, you know in, uh, basically in a partners meeting, uh, that's uh, usually uh, not all the partners are there. So usually it's uh, through some Skype or WebEx or whatever. Doesn't work as well there, right? Right. But, um, yeah. In frontal presentations, it's it's pretty solid. Let's take a quick break to thank the sponsors who make this episode possible. Splitmetrics is an A-B testing platform for App Store and Google Play icons, screenshots, and videos. Uh, they help to optimize App Store conversions and analyze user on-page behavior. The App Store product page is a short window for your app. You can create multiple variations for your App Store product pages and track how users react to different screenshots, title name, descriptions, video app previews, ratings, reviews, in-app purchases, and price. Splitmetrics lets you experiment with every single element of your store listing page and shows you why they work. A detailed analytics report lets you understand visitor behavior and see what exactly resonated with your audience. It ensures that you communicate your application core values better and deliver an app store page that converts. Splitmetrics also allows validating your app idea, design, or messaging even before the app launch to the app store or Google Play. You can get pre-release feedback, collect emails, and notify prospective users when your product goes live. So to try a new tool, get a demo at www.splitmetrics.com forward slash app guy, all lowercase splitmetrics.com forward slash app guy. Thanks so much to Splitmetrics for being a sponsor of the show. Smarto, the global real-time advertising platform for mobile publishers and app developers, takes market quality seriously. Smarto has a dedicated market quality team ensuring ad quality on its exchange. Smarto's ad quality team scans and controls traffic 24-7, covering all time zones. Using a customized approach tailored to publisher requirements, Smarto's ad quality team uses a combination of automated tools and human expertise to meet your individual needs. Smarto's SDK also ensures ad quality acting as an automated blocking tool that protects users from auto-directs and auto-downloads, pop-ups, malware, fraud, explicit content, copyright infringement, deceptive ads, and prohibited IAB categories. You as the publisher can set the controls to determine what advertiser domains and categories make it into your ad space. And if you're integrated with Smarto's SDK and a bad ad gets through, just swipe to report the bad ad. Simple as that. You can feel safe and secure monetizing your app or mobile website on the Smarto Exchange. Sign up for the Smarto Publisher platform and monetize your apps with high-quality ads today at www.smarto.com. That's www.smato.com. Thank you to Smarto for supporting this show. And now let's return to the interview. Two more things actually we need to do before we do guys say goodbye. One is that a lot of people listening uh, love to learn about uh, launches, about getting publicity, getting promotion. You've gone through all the uh, fundraising. You've uh, now got, uh, you know, your round. And uh, I wondered, uh, are you actually doing anything towards marketing, towards launching, towards getting the word out there? Because you're still in beta at the moment. And what plans do you have for marketing and launching that you could share with us? Yeah. So, um, a, uh, I do, uh, I do think that um, a company uh, needs to think of its marketing and sales strategy um, as as soon as possible. So, one of our first hires was a great um, head of marketing, um, and our platform is basically a D two D platform uh, because it has a lot of um, open source technology around it. Um, so. 
what we do is that uh, we do D2D evangelism through forums and so on and through, uh, you know, the regular social channels like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. Um, and we have uh, basically guide, people can uh, or people can or developers or companies can come in and sign up to our closed beta. Uh, and we are slowly allowing them to come in and use the platform. Uh, basically, right now, we have uh, more than a dozen companies using the platform right now, uh, which have signed up and we've actually gave them access. Um, and uh, um, yeah, actually, and from the from a listener's perspective, what should they be doing then uh, to, to help you move forward? Do you want people to sign up? Uh, do, do you want people to go onto your list so that you can they can keep abreast of what's happening? What would you like the listeners to do? Yeah, so look, if you're a if you're a uh, data driven company, um, you should definitely sign up just because we'll definitely save you time and definitely save you money. Because part of what we do is that we enable you to get uh, these big, these massive um, data management platforms that are based that were basically only accessible to the biggest companies, the Zingas, the IBMs and so on. We allow you to get them at a click of a button at a much, much lower cost. Um, basically, part of what our algorithms do is that they um, enable us to do um, automatic storage optimization so that you will never pay more than what it will cost you to build it in-house. In Secondly, uh, we are coming out to open beta uh, in Q1 216. So after that period, uh, they'll be able to basically just go to the website. It's Panoply.io. Um, you know, click a button and onboard by themselves uh, without us. Right now, they do need our permission. Um, but companies that are interesting have interesting data. Uh, we do allow them to come in when we're slowly onboarding them already. That is terrific. Yeah, and I'll make sure that uh, links as well to uh, your site can be found at theappguy.co. So uh, for anyone listening who's driving and can't remember all the stuff, just go to the ep episode 385 with Yaniv Levin at uh, theappguy.co. I'll make sure I put uh, links to Yaniv. Uh, there is one more thing. This is a show about apps. And we love to learn from entrepreneurs what apps you're using. <laughs> so do you have uh, an app recommendation uh, for us uh, as an, uh, that you use as an entrepreneur? Uh, anything that um, you think would be something we, we may not have discovered before? Uh, that you may not have discovered before. <laughs> yeah, you've already That's got a... 385 episodes to compete with. But Yeah. Um... So that's a that's a that's a big one. Look, um, based, uh, you know, uh, I came from the games world, so I play so I play games. So I don't mind games. Yeah. We, we like to learn about games. Anything that to pass the time away. Uh, what what, what uh, games have you got on your your uh, iPhone? Yeah. So look, I've uh, you know I've been playing Clash of Clans for for approximately two and a half years. Uh, <laughs> so okay, there's the warning. Don't. Play that game; it will. Yeah, like, yeah. It will You're definitely. Good. It will suck too much of your time. But <laughs> um, you know, in terms of us, you know, uh, I pass the time with Audible. Uh, I have, uh, I you know, I have Slack and Asana on my on my uh, uh, you know on my phone, constantly helping me to optimize my business. Um, so, uh, do you have any good books uh, that you recommend from uh, listening to Audible? Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, let's do that. I mean, uh, uh, let's learn what maybe one or two business books that we can get get from you. 
Oh, so absolutely. Um, so uh, if you're interested in where technology is going, so the singularity is near is probably one of the best books written in, uh, you know, in the past uh, two decades um, by Ray uh, Kurzweil. Absolutely wonderful. Um, and of course, in terms of business books, um, Good to Great by Jim Collins is absolutely amazing. Um, if you're uh, if you're a company looking to pitch, I definitely recommend a book uh, called Maximum Influence um, by Kurt W. Mortensen. Absolutely wonderful book. Um, so. Yeah, that is fantastic. And for me as well, uh, this is like rather selfish, but when you're listening to Audible, how are you actually listening? Are you on a commute somewhere? Are you at home washing the dishes? How do you actually listen to your audio books? Yeah, so fortunately, I have traffic jams. Uh, hey! hey. Yeah. <laughs> I love traffic jams as a podcaster. Yeah, yeah so I, uh, I basically finish a book a week um, with my, the traffic jams that I go through, so... Uh, where's the where, where's the traffic? Where are you currently based? Uh, we're ba- we're currently based in Israel, uh, right. and we're planning an opening offices uh, in the West Coast, basically around Q two to sixteen. Wonderful! I didn't realize that there was so much traffic. Uh, what in Tel Aviv? Well, yeah. I mean, they're building a they're building a subway right now, so the traffic is horrible. Uh, <laughs> right, okay. So yeah, I feel you, like we've been let down. Really I do fast. feel like we've been let down. We need flying cars. Where were the flying cars we were promised <laughs> twenty years ago? So, um, oh, great, Yaniv. Uh, of course, everything uh, linked to you will be on the show notes. Just in the meantime, how do people reach out to you personally if they've if you've inspired them? How do they get in touch? So uh, through my a through uh, through LinkedIn, uh, my LinkedIn uh, Yaniv Levin, and uh, through my email. Yaniv at panoply.io. Uh, feel free to contact me. And my force, my Twitter is uh, basically Yaniv Levin uh, hooked up. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the App Guy podcast. All the, all the best with uh, Panoply and going, especially in Q1 2016 when you uh, release fully. And uh, yeah, it's been great learning about your journey and uh, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Paul, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. So I've just been having a post chat with Yaniv and uh, we felt like uh, we needed to do just one more thing, which was actually highlight uh, the elevator pitch uh, for Panoply. So uh, yeah, Yaniv, I know that you wanted to spend a minute or two just doing the quick uh, elevator pitch so that people do understand what Panoply is. Yeah, so just kind of high level. Uh, basically, today, data-driven companies uh, use a full stack of technologies that allow them to collect, maintain, and extract important insights from the data they gather. So this is really cru- crucial today to make better, more informed business decisions. But the problem is that as the data grows and becomes more fragmented, these technology become more and more difficult to maintain, costing more in development resources and time to market of information. But more importantly, uh, almost by definition, you have a critical part of your team not focused on revenue generation, but on infrastructure maintenance. So Panoply comes to solve this problem. We significantly free up development bottlenecks by automating manual tasks associated with integration, storage, and handling and maintenance of all data and all servers. Panoply is basically a platform that takes various data sources, welds them together into one, and automatically organizes and stores them in a smart way so that it's optimized uh, and instantly accessible to all analytic tools and reporting from reporting to data mining. 
Um, automating the manual tasks will reduce development hours significantly and speed up decision-making and time to market. And we do it with a two-click integration regardless of size of company, size of data, and requiring absolutely zero coding. So your data is always accessible in real time with absolutely zero maintenance. I really appreciate that. And also, I think what I've learned from that as well is the fact that you've got to be prepared to do a quick elevator pitch. And you've definitely got that. Uh, it feels like you've had a lot of practice at, at uh, pitching that. So th thanks for doing that. Splitmetrics is an A-B testing platform that helps app entrepreneurs like us create app store pages that convert up to 50% more installs. It helps you understand how your app store visitors interact with you on your app page and how they make their download decision. To get the insights, book a demo at splitmetrics.com forward slash app guy. That's splitmetrics.com forward slash app guy. Go and support the sponsor because they're supporting this show and I highly recommend them. You need the right ad exchange partner to monetize your app or mobile website and you can't trust just anybody. Fraud lurks everywhere in the mobile space. So put your trust in the hands of our sponsor today, Smarto's publisher platform, SPX, ensures ad quality for your app or mobile website. With an ad quality team on call 24-7, you can rest assured your app is in good hands. Sign up at www.smarto.com. That's www.smaato.com. And thank you so much, Smarto, for supporting this show. So just a final announcement. I am using the platform Medium to post uh, some episodes and a lot of content. It's taken quite a while for me to do this, but I think it's worth it. I mean, my early results are that uh, in the space of 24 hours, I've received uh, 400 uh, views for a blog post from uh, the and a previous episode with the guys from Split Metrics, and uh, that, that's pretty good going. So, uh, what I wanted to do is uh, pull out some uh, good episodes and uh, create uh, articles from them. So, if you have a favorite episode and you think it will make a good post let me know uh, get in touch it's paul at the appguy.co and also if you have any views on the articles so go and check them out go and follow me on medium and let me know if you think articles are a good use of my time and whether you feel like it's uh, something that would help with uh, expanding the show i'd love to get your feedback on that and if you are into content marketing and you have any advice let me know i'd really be interested in learning a little bit more about how to actually do effective content marketing. Thanks very much, and I look forward to delivering another episode to you shortly. Bye for now.